Hello, welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Jill Anderson. Today, we are speaking with Chinese-American journalist Lenora Chu, who authored the book Little Soldiers, an American Boy, a Chinese School, and the Global Race to Achieve. The book shares her experience as a parent when she enrolled her young son in a top Chinese school. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Jill. It's great to have you on the EdCast to shed some personal light on a topic of Chinese education, which has been widely praised worldwide for producing such high-performing students. And your book details what some Americans might consider surprising methods, force feeding eggs, not allowing parents inside to observe a classroom, threats and praises from teachers for perfection, and in a way removes the individual from the process of learning. Do you think the Chinese system leaves more room for all students to achieve as opposed to America where we often default to a student's talents? So that's a great question. In China, the one thing to understand is that education is a sorting mechanism. It's almost less about developing a student as an individual as it is making that student advance into the next level, and you advance based on a test score. So there's a lot of anxiety around education in China about making sure your kid stays on this this ladder. In the U.S., we have the benefit of not having to worry. You know, we educate every child, and we pride ourselves on that, and we should. What you witnessed and you describe in the book is that your with your own son was sort of cons- concerning in the beginning. I'm, and <laughs> and then as you read through the book, you eventually to see things changing a little bit. What kept you? I just kept thinking when I was reading this, what kept you from pulling him out of that school? (laughs) Uh, And because you were even acknowledging that you felt like you were going crazy and feeling anxious all the time. And it, it was hard to read as a parent. So there was a huge clash of cultures where this American family, we landed in Shanghai uh, the exact year that Shanghai teenagers took number one in the world on PISA in math, reading, and science. And the spotlight was very intense in Shanghai. And just down the street was one of the best state-run schools in the city. We thought, this must be the best education China has to offer. We enrolled our son really in a naive way. We wanted him to learn Mandarin. But then immediately, (laughs) the first week of school, he comes home and he said, my teacher forced me to eat eggs. I march off to confront her. And instead of being open to my this conversation, she criticizes me for challenging her authority in front of a child. Um, Other things began to happen where I realized that they definitely value group progress over the individual needs of a student. And I had to decide whether I could... um, you know, continue in this type of system. And that's when I launched this investigation because many people praised Chinese education, but what I was seeing on the ground was very different. And that's when I started um, talking to experts. I eventually got into other classrooms that were more traditional than my son's. And I saw public shaming. I saw one art teacher trying to teach children how to draw rain and it only falls from the sky to the ground and comes in little dots. You know, in this classroom, there are no hurricanes or monsoons. There's no figurative rain, no cats and dogs. But what kept me in the system is this willingness to change. The Chinese government knows there are major problems with Chinese education. And my son's classroom was actually on the more progressive end. Wow. Really? So I had, um, 
you know, force feeding aside, I started to see some some positive some positive uh, to being in that school and all the signaling around education, the respect for the teacher, packing your own bags in the morning, um, saying hello to the teacher when you sail through the entrance gates, all the signaling that education needed to be respected. And you mentioned just now one of the things that I think really stands out is about the difference between how teachers in China are treated versus America. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that difference. So for the book, I spent a good amount of time in American classrooms, um, New York, Boston area, Minnesota, Texas, California. And there is this sense that teachers feel a bit beleaguered. Um, They're spending more time managing student behavior and also dealing with parent requests that have little to do with learning. And when you talk to the Chinese teacher, she doesn't really have this problem. She's spending 100% of her time teaching because she has command of her classroom. And I think that is one of the things that we could learn from the Chinese way. As a parent myself, I, I really began to think what made me feel entitled to march off to the teacher on every little thing. Obviously, force feeding, I'm glad I did that and she never did it again. But other little things, you know, what things can we take care of at home? There's that phrase, teacher knows best, but I think in a lot of circumstances in America, it's not considered that way. Whereas when I was reading this book, it seemed like in China, it really embodied that throughout the, the school. Sure, you definitely, there's almost a fear element. Now, <laughs> I have to say that, you know, too much teacher authority is is negative. Um, China right now is really working on trying to get their kids to express themselves creatively in the classroom. But if you have this culture of authoritarianism, it's going to take a generation or two for teachers to understand that when a student speaks up with something that goes against what she just said, that it's not an affront to her authority. It's really just the student expressing himself. And they're working very hard on some of these issues. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how they take away they essentially remove behavior as a as a problem, it seems, some very young. I mean, your son is a toddler when you wrote this book. Right. That's yeah. something. The habits and the discipline around education, they instill from really the age of three. And um, I, in one classroom that I observe, they go overboard with it. But in the more enlightened parts of Shanghai and Beijing, they, they are trying to strike the balance. And so I should say that you are still living in in China. And I was curious whether any of these teachers uh, your son had have seen this book. Are they aware of it? So in my book, I talk a lot about there's corruption in the Chinese education system. There are vast amounts of inequality in the countryside. Some of the teachers are not portrayed very well. And, you know, they are trapped in the system, too. and it, I, I don't think that they'll be surprised by anything that I'm writing about. You know, the money changing hands, the gifting, the cheating and the bribery. I don't want to say that it's rampant, but it's enough of a problem that the Ministry of Education says we need to ban all teachers from accepting gifts. We need to make sure they don't accept money for tutoring outside of the classroom. But this is the problem with China's high stakes system when it feels that zero sum you know, 18 million babies born every year. And at that high school level, you get about 8 million who just drop out of the system. When it's that high stakes, families sometimes take shortcuts. Right. Do you think that American schools are too easy on their students? I mean, you yourself grew up 
in America, you have the American education experience and, and your son is now going through a different experience. You know, what are the trade-offs? So I feel that in America, what we do really well is that we're listening to our kids. The most marked difference in the classrooms in the U.S. are that teachers are constantly asking students what they think. What do you think about what we just learned? You know, life is not a multiple choice question test. And the Chinese child goes from the teacher knows best classroom to parent knows best at home, and they're not really developing the skills of decision making and thinking critically about their environment. And I think that in the US, I'm so grateful to have had that. My parents were very strict. So I went from American public school system to my strict authoritarian parents. And if I didn't have that balance, I would be very concerned. What would you take from China? And what would you take from America to kind of create balance the two? I really like the early rigor of the Chinese way. And if you think about where American education is headed, um, here's a good way to frame it. I think everyone idealizes Steve Jobs as a sort of creative genius. You know, we like that he's individualistic, he's brash, he's rugged. He was even a dropout. He was a rebel, right? He was a school dropout. But what the narrative in America usually forgets about Steve Jobs is that he was actually highly trained. He was taking electronics classes at the age of 13 at Hewlett-Packard because the local school system wasn't rigorous enough for him. And I worry that in the U.S. we're sort of sacrificing knowledge at the expense of sort of process and creative discovery. And I feel that you need both. Now, if you look in China, they know that they get the knowledge, especially the early rigor. They're worried about the creative expression, but they will always teach math and science with rigor. And I like that. Um, if I could blend both, you know, the middle ground, I spent the last third of my book teasing out what that is. And I honestly, I think it is different in America. We have so many options. It's different for every family. And we should feel grateful that we have those choices. Um, but at the same time, we need to identify the strengths in our systems and the weaknesses and try to figure out a way to patch up for the weaknesses because there are many. And it's an uncomfortable debate. And that's what we're that's what's crippling us in American education right now. Have you heard at all from any parents in, in China? Any of your friends like who have maybe read the book or... I, I wrote an essay that people thought was basically a praise of the Chinese way, and it's not. My The position is very mixed. Um, I think that the Chinese, they're always looking for ways to feel better about their education system because they're very insecure. This doesn't come across a lot in, um, in media reports, but they're very insecure. So I think if they're happy, if I can add some nuance to that understanding. That's so interesting to hear that they're um, so concerned about the way that it's portrayed, considering they've done so well. And when you look at sort of this, the testing, PISA I know. and whatnot. But if you talk to the top education reformers in China, they look at PISA and they say it's dangerous because we shouldn't feel good about it. There are so many problems. I actually had lunch a couple of years ago with the guy who helped develop China's national math curriculum. And they're so proud of their math skills. But he leaned in. He says, you know, in America, math scores might be bad. But when kids love a subject, they love it from the heart. And they know we do that better. Where is Rainy, your son, now? Can you share a little bit? Because this was uh, about 2010, I think, when mm -hmm. you pulled 
we're when we moved to Shanghai. Yeah. Um, can you share a little bit about his education experience? Maybe how it's it's continued. So he's in third grade now, and it's funny. He he packs his own bag. He sharpens pencils himself. All this signaling around education and the habits he's absorbed. But he's funny. He's a curious kid. I know a lot of that is sort of our influence at home. But he's also in a progressive school in Shanghai, and there are more progressive schools. There's private schools now. There's a lot of sort of market-based change, and we've benefited from that. What I really worry about is those kids in the countryside who don't have options and where reform isn't happening as quickly. Um, in the book, I follow, as you know, a couple of um, students from rural areas, and the consequences are devastating when they fail that high school entrance exam. So you did decide to keep him sort of in that Chinese system? He is, and we're watching it very closely. He's getting to a level, you'll enjoy this story, he's getting to a level in sports where the system just can't can't keep up with him. He has a tennis coach outside of class, um, and she was part of the Chinese national team. But the way they teach tennis is they'll sit there and drill four hands for three hours. And by the end of it, he, he says, I hate tennis. I don't want to pick up a racket again. You know, so it, in sports, too, they haven't really found the balance. It's very extreme. Right. And you had another son as well. A little boy named Landon, and for various reasons that you'll find if you read the book, we couldn't get him into the Chinese preschool because mother rebelled too much, and the administration decides that they don't want to deal with his family anymore. Um, but he's in an international bilingual kindergarten, and um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he can get into the Chinese primary system. It's going to be a little bit harder for him because he doesn't have all that signaling. You know, he hasn't developed. that early discipline. So that's interesting probably just to see the difference between them and maybe you can you share any of the difference between the schools? It's hard to say it's hard yeah so it's hard to say what's personality um, but but as far as the school systems (laughs) the teachers are much softer in my son's bilingual um, international kindergarten and you know, we have a lot of parent-teacher conferences where parents are allowed to bring their concerns to the table. So they spend a good amount of time managing parent concerns. <laughs> In the Chinese way, they don't do that. Well, I mean, it's a very fascinating book and an interesting read. So I thank you so much for taking the time to come talk with us today. Once again, this is Lenora Chu, and the book is Little Soldiers, an American Boy, a Chinese School, and the Global Race to Achieve. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Jill. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Jill Anderson. Thanks for listening.